Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Yagmoth Soap Opera, the classic-related podcast brought to you, the community. I'm Andy, the Eternal Hammer, joined by regular co-hosts George and Zach. I'd like to thank mtgotraders.com for sponsoring us and puremtgo.com for hosting us. We've got um, a packed agenda again to get through today, and we're going to open that up by having a look at some of the spoiler cards from the new core set of M12. So, George, you want to lead us into the first card? What is it, what does it do, and how's it going to impact on Classic? All right, so with all of these set reviews that we do, um, these are speculations. You know, we think that these cards might do well or bad. Sometimes sometimes we're wrong, but it's just speculation about Classic, sometimes about Legacy. But the first card is Rune Scarred Demon, which is five black-black to cast for a 6-6 six, six flying creature that when he enters the battlefield, you get to search your library for a card and put it into your hand. Now, the card is uncastable in Classic, but what we're thinking is that you don't have to cast it, you can flip it over with Oath of Druids. Um, and it's not as powerful as a Blightsteel Colossus or an Iona if you just throw it into any old Oath shell, but if you build the deck around running Runescar Demon, I think I could theoretically see like a four times Runescar Demon Oath deck where what you're just trying to do is fill up your graveyard and tutor up uh, Yawgmoth's wills to win the game with. What do you guys think? Absolutely. The only thing with running four of these guys would be that it would unlikely fill up your graveyard quick enough. Uh, I'd like to run one or two copies and, and therefore flip over more copies of cards into my library, into my graveyard from my library. Well, I was saying four so that you could get uh, four free demonic tutors. If you only run one or two, you only get one or two free demonic tutors. Even if sure, you fill up your graveyard more. I, I hear you, but most of the time when Oath triggers, um, there is one or two creatures on the opposite side of the table. So when you flip the first Oath, um, you, you quite often switch off subsequent Oath abilities because there's now parity in the number of creatures on the table. I don't know, your first Runescar Demon could search up Forbidden Orchard. Yeah, That's I mean, a good call. I, I see this card, and first of all, four is kind of out of the question, because if you think about 20 life, you, you get the third one out, and you've already done six, 12, and then 18, so you're, you've done a lot of damage by the time you get your third one, either way. Um, but... It's better than I initially thought. I looked at it, and I'm like, why did George put this in this article? Um, I think it could be good. I do think it is... Typically, uh, I'll give an example. I would much rather run... Uh, I think Sun Titan's really cool. I like Sun Titan Oath a lot, and I think that didn't get as much love as it should have. Um, it's a cool card, but it's only a freaking 6-6 vanilla flyer that doesn't do anything after it searches up, you know, the one card. So, I... I Maybe I'm just, like, underestimating it, but I don't see it making a huge impact. I don't see it being uh, Oath Archetype and, like, dominating the vintage or classic scene, but I could be wrong. What's, what's the um, the card where you play and it basically takes a card off the battlefield but then puts it back on the battlefield and it's also got flashback? Uh, are you talking about the common from Popper? Yeah, that's right. I'm just wondering if, like, flipping that over and then... Blank, I think? That's right, yeah, and then you could flash back that to basically get the demon off the table and back on the table and then use the tutoring effect again. 
Yeah, sadly, I don't know how viable that is because it's four mana for the flashback. Oh, it's the mana. Ah, okay, I didn't realize it was. Yeah. So the other thing I don't like about the the Rune Scar Demon is that it, it gives your opponent more turns to find answers, um, as opposed to resolving the good game variant with the Blight Steel Colossus. And if we're looking at running kind of three or four copies of this, then uh, is that not using more more slots in the deck than than a typical oath build? Well, if you run three Rune Scar Demons, um, you're not going to be running. Dragon's Breath or Blightsteel Emrakul, so you're actually down one card. Okay, yeah, that's that's true. So that would be pretty cool then. Um, but like I said, you you can't just drop this into an Oath deck. You would have to build around the Runescar Demon. In all the scenarios where you guys are saying this card is better or that card is better, the Oath build is built around those targets, and the same would be true for Demon. Absolutely. I mean, I know that recently you've even... Yeah, from your classic Oath deck where you've been running Elephant Oath. Now, w- wait one second, though. Yeah, you'd build around this card and, and you'd do that and you'd get a cool card and everything. But do you really want to say, I have a 6-6 Vanilla Flyer who gave me a free tutor? Or do you want to have a chance at winning the first time Oath goes off? What's better? Well, it depends on how you build your deck. I could easily see that if this deck... Like, this version would be more controlling, like uh, the Elephant Oath. Elephant Oath is still a cool even though it's not quite as fast as Good Game Oath. But Elephant Oath, you can, like, get 18 power creatures on your side of the board and win next turn anyway. And with Runescar Demon Oath, you can get Yawgmoth's Will and assemble Vault Key the turn you flip Oath. You can also get this guy and say, they say, oh, this guy's running Demon Oath. We'll let Oath resolve and then just counter whatever he plays. Whereas the other one, you get Oath down, you're going to win. Well, you still you still lose the counterspell in that situation anyway when you try and do oath. Huh? No, what I'm saying is they can they, they have time to find a counterspell. They have a turn to find a counterspell. And what's your favorite most powerful card in the game? Wasteland. I don't oh, know. Oh, time walk. Time walk is pretty good. See, that's why in vintage they're talking about Runescar Demon into time walk. Uh, dude, uh, we we but. Maybe in Vintage, that's possible. But I, I don't see giving the other guy another turn and not just, like, having an amazing effect on the board. I don't see that as, like, oh, this is, like, the end-all for Oath. Like, for example, when you when you had Elephant Oath and you were doing really well with it, I thought that was awesome because it attacked a specific archetype. It ate stacks as lunch. And uh, good game Oath, it's really hard to stop. Even decks with, like, Maze of Ith, do not stop it, because, um, number one, Wasteland Strip Mine, but more importantly, Emrakul's a beast. You're going to sacrifice six permanents even if you prevent the damage. So, with a guy like this, I mean, we don't have a lot of the power that they have in Vintage yet. And that's, I, I guess that would be the only reason. I, 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 I want to fight this guy, and I don't know why, but I just don't see him as being amazing. He's a 6-6 six, six flyer with a Demonic Tutor. And if you look at the mana cost, which I know is probably not relevant... It's really just a 5-5 five, five flyer for 6, because then you have the d- Demonic Tutor added on. Um, no, and, you know, I didn't say that it was going to be the new hot tech, but I did say that it's probably going to be a real deck. You think it's going to be played in Classic, not Vintage? Uh, I'm going to build it, and if, if history shows correctly, people tend to play the Oath decks that I run, for at least a little while. We shall see, sir. 
I don't know. I I I don't think a six six vanilla with a tutor is good enough. But that's just me. What What about in some kind of reanimation shell? And is there any scope there? I think that in reanimation you have much better targets. Maybe as a one of, but like Ginger Texas core augurer is amazing, and I don't know why you would try and reanimate any other card. It's just the kind of cascade of spells that you could maybe get going if you reanimated a runescarred demon and um, maybe got hold of uh, intuition or, I, I don't know, something else to kind of fuel the graveyard or, or into a time warp to, if you're playing vintage. I, I just wondered if there was something that could be done there. I'm sure that there's application because you can always, you know, uh, tutor up a force of will to protect your win condition. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I, I don't want to you know spend an hour on this one card, so I, I won't I won't press it anymore. But I'm interested to see what you do with it, George. Uh, so why don't you bring in the next one, uh, Zach? All right. The next card. First of all, the art is freaking amazing. I love this art so much. The next card is uh, one that's a, you know kind of a long line of wannabe ancestral recalls. It's called Visions of Beyond. It's a blue rare from M12. It's an instant for one blue mana. And usually it's simply a cantrip. The first line is draw a card. After that it says, if a graveyard has 20 or more cards in it, draw three cards instead. So, um, it's, it's, it's an ancestral recall with really hard to meet requirements. Unless, I assume, unless you're playing an M12 or Innistrad, which are graveyard based. Um, uh, I will say though that I think this is the closest they have ever come to printing ancestral recall again. I have to admit, man, one of the cards that I've always, like, ignored and I've been playing a lot lately, you know, in Legacy is Ancestral Vision, and that that's a beat. I think that's probably the closest, because it costs one mana on turn one, and then eventually you just get three free cards. This one, there's no guarantee you're going to be able to use it every game like that one. Well, that's, that's true as well. Uh, but I think a lot of the people have been talking about, you know, two specific deck types for this and the way that it might see play. Um, one of them is Dredge, and one of them is Oath. And I think the one thing that everybody has to remember before they get all hyped up about this, if Oath or Dredge have 20 cards in their library, you've probably lost. Would you agree? Uh, well, I don't know. Let's say, let's say you have Visions of Beyond in your sideboard for those two matchups. And let's say Oath of Druids does that. And you, Visions of Beyond, you draw three cards. You just got an Ancestral Recall to find an answer. And if you're against Dredge, maybe this makes Ravenous Trap, Visions of Beyond, a legitimate sideboard option. But, now, you just said you wanted three cards. Not to have the card advantage, but to find an answer, right? Absolutely. Okay, well, Brainstorm does that. Brainstorm does do that, but this would be Brainstorm's 5, 6, 7, and 8. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I love the art on this card. I could probably see myself toying around with it. And, and, and I have to admit, I know I sound like an old, cranky bastard, but I'm not. I just, I was really excited about this card when I first saw it, and I don't think it's as good anymore. Um, okay, I'll give you a different a different take on the card then. Yeah. What about just running it in a straight-up classic control deck? It, it cantrips, it draws a card. But then in the late game, it gets turned into an ancestral um, vision, and it, it's kind of akin to accumulated knowledge. It's crap early on. Well, it, it's, it cycles, basically, for one mana. 
Um, but it then becomes a bit of a house in the end game to help you close out the mirror match in the control. But even with that, how, how often does a control match, like a mana drain control deck, how often does it get 20 cards in the graveyard, or let alone have the opponent have 20 cards in the graveyard? Well, by running these, you're getting an extra two in the graveyard, maybe, by just kind of cycling through them. Um, I tend I tend to kind of agree with Zach about how in a, in a control matchup or in a control deck, it's going to be hard to turn it on yourself. Um... I think the card is best for either a really specific metagame of Oath and Dredge or the sideboard. But that's me. I'm also not above using it as a cantrip, like Andy is suggesting. But I think Ponder and Preordain do a better job than Visions of Beyond does. Small aside, and I think we should say this is separate from the the, the cards and, and what we're looking at here. But this is kind of what sucks so much about not firing any of these events. Because we can't talk about what is being played and what's good against the decks that are being played. You know, we, we look at stuff like this card and think, where would it be good? We don't even know what's good. So, we'll say it again, I'm sure, in this podcast. But we need to get something going on. Guys, take a look at the PRE that we'll talk about later. But until we do that, this is all kind of hearsay. And I, I, some, some, some real... What what are we looking for, George? Some some real uh, innovation. Uh, I would I would definitely say that we are looking for, or, or we're talking about innovation. We can't talk about an established meta; it's just impossible. The only thing we can talk about is the meta game from a month ago, which was only three or four weeks old, uh, long. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean. I, I hear both of you guys, and, and I think this is kind of a cool card. It's probably something that I would want to have, just in case there was something that eventually broke it open wide. But, uh, yeah, right now I see it as kind of like... It's always... Don't they always have, like, teaser cards like this? Like, cards that look like they're another card, and then they just aren't functionally as good? Like Time Reversal? There you go. Um, I do... a great example. I... I do think that Visions of Beyond will be a house in standard. If nothing else, just Jace Memory Adept. Yeah, I mean, draw, draw on three. The, the, the only thing is that guy's five mana. Standard yeah, has some ridiculous stuff now. You can you can Ancestral Recall on turn six. You play some kind of mana accelerant on turn two, three, or, two or three, or four, and then you play Jace on turn four. Oh, no, you can, you can Ancestral Recall on turn five. If you get a turn four Jace, you activate mill ten. Turn five, you activate mill ten, draw three. Is this activate mill ten or mill twenty? I forgot. It's mill ten. His ultimate is one player draws twenty cards. Ah, okay. All right. Um, so yeah, I, uh, you know that's kind of my thoughts on that, and, and it sounds like you guys are are. are Thinking it might be might be worthwhile, so we'll we'll all keep an eye on it. Uh, Andy, you want to take the next one? Sure, it's uh, buried ruin. Um, it's a land taps for a colorless mana, um, but it has an additional ability. If you play two mana and tap it and sacrifice it, you can return an artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. And I guess this has got some applications in the right deck with, say, Crucible of the Worlds to get some recursion going, bringing back, say, Time Vault or Voltaic Key to combo out. I'm sure there's other applications as well, um, maybe with uh, kind of Mind Slaver. Um, I don't know. It needs some, some, some further thought. I, I don't know if it's any better than, say, um, Goblin Welder or um, 
if it's any better than Academy Ruins, but um, it's definitely worth looking at, I think. And the beauty of it is that colorless mana activation means it could be run in a deck like Shop um, to bring back some of your powerful creatures or, or sphere effects which have been binned. Guys, what do you think of Buried Ruin? George, do you want to take it? Um, well, I thought you were going to gloss over the workshop, which I think is the natural home for this card, if it's going to find a place anywhere. Um, I do like the idea of using it in Crucible of Worlds in, like, a blue deck, but I just think that there are so many better options in between Ruins and Welder that this might not see play in anything other than workshops. I don't think it'll see play there either. The... Two mana and tap. The problem with Workshop is the namesake card wouldn't work with this, so a lot of their mana they're producing wouldn't even do well. Do you really want to tap an Ancient Ruins and lose two life and a land to get something back late game when that deck probably has the game already in hand? I don't see people saying, wow, I really need Buried Ruin in my deck. It will really put Shop over the top. Know what I'm saying? So, no, I can dig it. So, I mean... I. I'm a negative Nancy. Apologies, but yeah, this card, it's, it seems meh. Andy, do you think um, it would, like, for shop specifically, what kind of cards would they want to get with this if they were to play something like this? Um, well, I guess um, any of, the, well, the, the Dragon or any of the beat Beaters, I guess, to try and close out the game. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. I don't see how people usually kill those beaters outside of a nature's claim or something like that. Usually if they get those beaters out, it is the end of the game. So. Oh, counterspells. Oh, counterspells, you're right, you're right. So, but yeah, I think it's maybe just one of those too cute, too far cards. Um, so we'll maybe move on in the interest of time. Sure. And, Zach, do you want to take this one? Yeah, um... I'm actually kind of excited about the next one, believe it or not. Shock and awe. I know everybody's like, what? He likes one? Um, <laughs> but the next card's pretty cool, and I think Georgie said it best before the cast. Maybe it was Andy. I don't really remember, but they said it's kind of like a uh, pseudo-goif, especially for the standard format. Uh, you know, this is a, the card name is Skin Shifter, and it's a green human shaman from M12 Rare. It's a 1-1 one, one for 1 and a green, and the important part about this guy is the text box which is uh, the activated ability is green, colon, choose one. And there are three different creatures it can be. It's kind of like that creature from Med 4 that was, you know, either a... Primal Clay. Yeah, Primal Clay. So that was either a 3-3, three, three, a 2-2 two, two flyer, or a 0-6 wall. And this guy for one green mana does almost the same thing, maybe a little better. Uh, he turns into a 4-4 four, four Rhino with Trample for green. Or he turns into a 2-2 two, two Bird with Flying. Or a 0-8 plant. And notice the plant is not a defender. So you could still attack with that if you had some crazy combat trick. Uh, only thing is you can activate this ability only once each turn. So in standard, that's a little worse. I mean, with cards like... Uh, right now there's uh, Lightning Bolt, and soon there will be Incinerate, and stuff like Grim... Uh, Grim Lavamancer, so in standard this guy's not, he's going to be really good still, but it's definitely going to be, it's not like Morphling where you can't get rid of it, but in classic, um, he's a little worse than Tarmogoyf, I think, but if you need Tarmogoyf 5 through 7, I would totally consider him, he's good. Uh, 2 mana, 4-4 four, four Trample seems pretty decent. What do you guys think? Um, I think that you're missing the one really important part, is that for probably $10, 
you can have a suitable replacement to Tarmogoyf in your classic deck and save close to 200 bucks. Um, yeah, I, I hear where you're going with that. I, I don't want to go on that level and say it's a suitable replacement by any means. It is, um, it is absolutely suitable if you do not have $200. You have I, to have I, a green every turn to make this thing viable like a Tarmogoyf. I've, I've played a lot of the different fish versions, and having one green available to attack with a 4-4 would not be too much of a problem. Well, let's look at what else this card does, because uh, I think it's still relevant as well, is that you can turn it into a 0-8, which in the format of, of Classic isn't um, something trivial. Um, it can turn into a 0-8 and block a Lodestone Golem. It can turn into a 0-8 and absorb a lot of damage from a Blightsteel Colossus. And it can also jump up into the air and um, block something which might be coming in that you don't like the look of, like um, a Predator that's coming in to eat one of your artifacts. So or, or if the ground is just stalled, you can jump into the air and attack for two. Exactly, and just, just grind out the wing. The other, the other thing about this is the ways that it could be killed in, in, um, in Classic. I mean, it is going to get hit by Dark Blast, which, okay, it's going to get hit by Dark Blast. Um, there's Fire and Ice, and there's, there's um, Lightning Bolt. And other than that, there's not a lot of kind of direct damage or do, do one or two damage cards in, in the format. So I, I, I do like it. I think the drawback of it for other formats, um, that Zach's already pointed out, the direct damage in standard, for example, just aren't there in classic, and so I, I can see this seeing play. And, and in some respects, I, I think it it does have applications beyond Tarmogoyf. Um, it it immediately comes down as a one-one. Next turns a four-four. It doesn't rely on having the graveyard filling up. If if your graveyard's getting stripped away, then your cards are still staying at a four-four. No, I mean, how cool is that? Um, and another thing about this card which I think is really cool, is that Necrotic Ooze is a real card. And uh, I can see him being a major player in standard and extended graveyard-based decks based off of Innistrad. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. He's in Shards Block, right? He, uh... Necrotic Ooze is in Scars Block, so we still have another year of Necrotic Ooze in standard. Yeah, I mean, that, that that does seem legit. And let me turn the tables on you guys just for a second here. Are either one of you guys going to get this card and play it in Classic? Uh, I definitely will. Wow. Well, you'll wait, 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 wait. You have a caveat, buddy. You've been buying all the standard stuff. Are you going to get all of M12? Uh, I will get all of M12, but I will actually play Skin Shifter in Classic. In what deck? In all the decks. I'm going to test them out. There's only one way to know for sure if this card is good or not, and that's to test it. Oh, dude, no. Okay, um, I, I give you that. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it, but I... And I, I fully believe that this card could be a, a role player and become part of the classic metagame. I hate that. Tarmogoyf's not a part of the classic metagame. How are you going to say that? It absolutely is. No, it's not. Fish, Fish is an absolutely viable deck no, in the format. No, it's not. Tarmogoyf's like the worst card in Fish. But it is it is absolutely needed. It's the backbone of the deck, even if it's the worst card. It's not the backbone of the deck. You really think so? You you cannot win quickly without Tarmogoyf. This thing attacks for almost the same amount of damage as Tarmogoyf does, but will cost $40 less. 
Oh, and that's I'm, huge. I'm sure it'll be way cheaper because it's also not mythic, so that's nice. But yeah. by the way, this guy looks a lot like Hermit Druid. You guys notice? He that? does. Maybe yeah. if there was an avatar of him. Yeah. So I, I, I know I'm, what I'm you're a... saying about. I, I don't think cost should be an implication when we're looking at serious tournament play. Like you I, wouldn't. You wouldn't I have absolutely. To... I absolutely think it should. Be. One of the biggest barriers to our entry so, is the cost. So if somebody can't afford the a demonic tutor, you're going to go and tell them to play a diabolical tutor because it does the same sort of thing, but it costs a hundredth of the price? No, don't be silly. But you don't see a difference between a $3 card and a $43 card? Oh, demonic, sorry, I see a demonic difference. Demonic tutor costs $3. It's affordable. Tarmogoyf costs $43. That is not affordable. Okay, how about this? Pack the Negation or Force of Will? Uh, one is only good in combo decks that are trying to win that turn. This this card, I know you guys are fighting me on it about the price. No, thing. Andy's not. Andy agrees with the, with. The I think it's card. a it's a good card, but I don't like the logic. I'll play it because cheaper. Uh, I agree about the price. Well, let's just let's just see what happens, guys. Okay. All right. So, uh, George, you want to take the next one? Yeah, uh, speaking of fish decks, this card, I mean, this card seems super good. Grand Abolisher is white-white for a 2-2. Human Cleric. <clears throat> During your turn, opponents can't cast spells or activate abilities of artifacts, creatures, or enchantments. So basically, if you resolve this card, you have free license to do whatever you want on your turns. There is nothing that the opponent can do to stop you. Not only is this a good card, but this is one of the few that I will tell you right now I'm going to get four copies of. It is... Card being a main deck of all the fish that run white. Uh, I, I'm I'm not thinking about this for Classic. In Classic, I don't like playing... Excuse my French here. I don't like crappy decks that don't do much. And that's kind of how I feel about fish. It just, it just sits there and it tries to fight other strategies. It doesn't really have its own besides turning dudes sideways and not playing restricted cards. But... In, There's a strip line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, in, in, let me give you an example. In Legacy, uh, one of the decks that's kind of fallen off the map, this absolutely revitalizes. That, uh, what is that, that deck? The uh, Death and Taxes. Now, Death and Taxes, one of the cards that's become really big in, in, in that format is Pernicious Deed. And the kind of decks that I've been playing, which are the controlling decks. And this even cuts off Pernicious Deed. I mean, it, like... It's like a yeah, freebie only, turn. Only for one turn. Uh, dude, uh, you juice up a, a sort of fire and ice or something like that, that one turn's huge. You, uh, yeah, but wouldn't you use you, Bangara uh, on one turn, that one turn's huge. Wouldn't wouldn't you punish a Deed in response to Grand Abolisher? Well, the thing turn? is, a lot of the times with Deed, you lay it down when you have three mana and you can't really blow it up. So Yeah, but, but then, okay, so let's say you it's turn four and you lay Deed and you have three mana, you... You're tapped out. Their turn four or turn five, depending on the play draw, they play Grand Abolisher. Are they really going to have the board presence to wreck you in that one turn window? Uh, it, it depends if they have Mangara of Corridor. Hell yeah, they could. Okay, yeah, because then they could just remove Pernicious Deed. Exactly. But then they could and remove Pernicious Deed even without Grand Abolisher, though. Yeah, but they, but can't, they can't counterspell or anything like that. Grand Abolisher can come down on turn two. Who says it has to come down on turn five after the deeds already hit the table? Yeah, but my my point is that against a card like Pernicious Deed, 
this only gives the deck running it a uh, one-turn window. Because they just untap and blow up the world with deed. Oh, well, that, that was, you know what, George, to be honest, that was more just my example that the word enchantment on the card is, is viable. There are a oh, lot okay. of cards this thing shuts off. I, I, you know, you have artifacts, creatures, and enchantments. So even stuff like some of these guys like Jace's Archivist, which is one of the other cards we're getting ready to go down, they can't do that on, on your turn. They have to do it on their turn, which just, you know, it's just a good, good, solidly designed I mean, white historically has had the best two drops for the for what you get. Don't you guys think, as far as the abilities on the bears? White. Uh, well, disregarding Dark Confidant, I agree. Yeah, disregarding Dark Confidant and probably Tarmogoyf. But still. Well, Tarmogoyf doesn't do anything. It just wins. I think the biggest application of this is getting it down on turn two. And for the rest of the game, while it's on the table... You can cast your creatures during your turn without counter magic disrupting you. Well, yeah. yeah. Play Vile, dude. This guy's a real house. Vile turns off all the counter spells. Bam. P- bring it in off Vile and play whatever you want. Um, but yeah, so I, I expect this card to see some play in Classic and definitely other formats. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm going to go even further than that and say I think this is actually going to be a card that's going to put Fish firmly on the map in Classic. Well, I already think it is firmly on the map. Well, yeah, Timmons would argue that. (laughs) Well, I mean, the numbers for the deck, it's in third place. I know that there's not a lot of events, but there's not a lot of events for the other decks to place as well. The the deck is in third place. The thing about fish is I don't see fish being as good if and when we ever get the magical jewelry. Oh, yeah, no, jewelry, Null Rod is not quite enough to offset the jewelry. But I would also suggest, Zach, that you actually build and play some fish decks. I think you might change your tune a little. Fish sucks. Yeah. Well, we're maybe getting a bit carried away here. Let's think about what this card does against the other classic format. It doesn't do jack against shop. Doesn't do jack against dredge. It does very little against both. No, it does a number against Oath. It they does stop counterspells. They can't counterspell, and that's what Oath leans on to beat fish decks. He does avoid Parish, which is my favorite out to fish decks. Yes, Parish is amazing. But, uh, so let's, let's go on to the next, I guess, two cards, because they'll both be real quick. Sure, yeah, Andy, you want to take the next one? Yeah, okay. Uh, Jace is uh, act, uh, Archivist, um, one colorless, two blue, and it's a 2-2 creature, um, a wizard for what it's worth. Um, has an activated ability of uh, blue and tap, and each player discards his or her hand, then draws cards equal to the greatest number of cards in a, player's discard, in a, a player discards this, this way. So it's basically windfall negate on a 2-2 guy for three mana and a one-cost activation. So, if you're in the market for Windfall, this is your man. I don't think he's incredibly good uh, for Classic, but I do think that you could try and build around him and you might be successful. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, the ability's freaking awesome. If this was on a 1-1, it would be unreal broken. Um, But a 3-mana Grey Ogre with 2 colors in his casting costs. Especially in a color that wants to keep its mana open at most times. Um, yeah. It's really yeah, cool. It's really rough, but I'll bet that he does some work somewhere. Well, we'll see. 
Next up is a card called Turn to Penguin. Ah. <laughs> one colorless, one blue. Target creature loses all abilities and becomes a 1 1 blue penguin the end turn. So, uh. Yeah. Applications, George? It, it stops Blightsteel. Like, alright, I'm going to attack you with my Blightsteel. Alright, I'm going to turn it into a frog and block with my 1 1 token. Yeah, absolutely. Good application. No, um, no, no other than that. that other than that, I mean, it's style. Uh, I know people. I know people like to play cards for style. I do. What is better than being like, yeah, I won because I turned his blade seal into a frog? Um. Well, let me see here. I'll tell you in just a moment. It is snake form. I I won because I turned his blade seal into a one-one snake. No, 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 no. How about a card that is in M11 right now costs one less mana and does the same goddamn thing? Diminish. Uh, yeah, but Diminish isn't as cool because it doesn't turn him into a frog. <laughs> yeah, uh, all I'm saying is that card doesn't make him lose all abilities, which is real nice. It would still have an effect or whatever, but actually, that's it not would even... still be indestructible. Huh? Is it? It would still it would still be indestructible. That's an ability. It's on the card. This thing is like humble. It turns it into a one-one with vanilla text. Yeah, this does, but diminish doesn't. Diminish doesn't. Does not. Turn to frog that's does. That's why turn to frog is so much better than diminish. Ugh. It's a small, tiny corner case, but it does make it better than diminish. Oh, so niche. <laughs> okay, so moving on. Next card is. Uh... I, I have to make fun of George here. There's no <laughs> way this card sees any freaking play in Classic or Legacy or probably Extended. Um, well, it's not until you can you put it with another card that's in M12. Even with yeah, that card, it's not good enough. You're going to live the dream, I'm telling you. It's, it's, it's called Crumbling Colossus, and it's like Juggernaut's... Uh, Slightly slow younger brother. <laughs> it's a it's a five mana artifact. That's a seven four creature. It's a golem, which makes it you know a worse with the other golem dude who gets all the golems targeted. Anyway, uh, it's a seven four. It has trample, and the flavor tag or excuse me, the text on the card makes it even better. When <laughs> crumbling colossus attacks, sacrifice it at the end of combat. So it's a. Five mana, colorless, bad ball lightning. Um, but you can return it with Buried Ruins and attack twice. And with the next card, which is an actual real card, you can get around the sacrifice and attack with it every single turn. Absolutely. So the next card is Sundial of the Infinite. It's two colorless mana, and it's an artifact. And it has an activated ability, which you don't have to sacrifice, so you can use it time and time again. It's one mana to activate, and tapping, of course. And until the end of turn, um, you activate activate the sundial, um, and you can only activate it during your turn, and it basically ends the turn. All the cards that are on the stack, bam. Everything that you want to do in that turn, ended. So there are some applications to this, like... Triggering it when you've um, already attacked with the uh, crumbling colossus, for example. But there are there are other applications too. Yeah, this so, card this card is friggin' unexplored gravy right here. I mean, this card has some some crazy stuff it can do. Uh, I 
I guarantee this card breaks magic eventually. That That's hefty. I don't know about that. I'm sure... Well, not like break magic beyond the breaking point, but like get restricted or banned in, in uh, formats that it's legal in. Now, see, but think about that for a second before you say that. Because it was six years before Jace and Stoneforge got banned. And I'm sure there were two or three six, cards we said that about. Six years? In standard. Six years? No way, sir. Yeah. What got what got banned in standard before Stoneforge? Uh, oh, oh, oh. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant... Last ban- uh, banning. I thought you were trying to say that those two cards were in standard for six years. Oh, no, 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 no. But that's what I'm saying. You just said this card you guarantee will get restricted or banned in standard. No, I said in magic. Mm, okay. In, in a format. I don't... I, I think the card is ridiculous and it will do something super crazy. Alright, here's... Here is a magical Christmas land scenario for you. Okay. Sundial of the Infinite. Okay. Ishran Scepter. Okay. Imprinted with Final Fortune. Take all the turns. That's a three-card combo. Yeah, three-card combo. I said magical Christmas land. Three-card combo. <laughs> anyway, no, I mean, like, I can't see a way of completely breaking this with the current card pool. Doesn't mean that there isn't a way, but I can't see one. But there is always that inherent danger that something will be printed in the future that will totally open this card up. Yeah, I mean, this is the first does card that does something like this. Time Stop did it, but it was once, and it was six mana. Now... Well, it, it, let's be fair. Time stop was used on their turn a lot. Oh yeah, you could you could just counterspell, or you could play it as a counterspell and end their turn. The coolest thing about or, or the, the 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 one part about this card they could just if they printed a card like this, something that said along the lines of like maybe a world enchantment or something like that that says you are able to play cards on the opponent turn even though you know the card says only during your turn. I, I don't know how to explain that. But if they were ever to print something like that, it would be ridiculous. Kind of like, like, uh, like pay X amount of mana, use the activated ability of a activated ability on the battlefield? Kind of. But uh, even more so, like... Uh, the problem with a card like this and just being beyond broken is all of a sudden all those cards that we always, you know, kind of put in the back of our minds do become viable. Like the Pithing Needles, as you guys say it, and the uh, Phyrexian Revokers, and all those kind of cards all of a sudden are now must-plays. So you could definitely stop a card like this. I don't think it's like, you know, like a Oh, yeah. But you know you know where this card shines a lot? Um, you know what? You know Cumulative upkeep, like stack, I'll have you sacrifice all of your permanents. Or I was thinking legacy. One of the more popular combo decks right now is Hive Mind, and this stops Hive Mind from killing you. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely true. I Hive Mind is a much better deck than people give it credit for. And I would not be surprised if this was a plant in the set to help uh, alleviate that problem in legacy. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Um, it's it's a good card, and it's going to do something. I, I, I would agree with you to an extent. I don't necessarily think it's going to get banned or restricted, but I do think it's going to be um, the focal point of a new archetype somewhere. A good archetype, too. Yeah. It's, it's super competitively costed. I mean, 
two mana and one mana to activate. It's ridiculous. That's really, really low cost. Yeah, and in classic, this is easily a turn one play. Yeah, depending on the deck, I agree. Well, almost every deck has the ability to put out two mana on turn one. No, except favorite, for Dredge no, and Fish. fish. Deck. <laughs> Dredge and Fish. Yeah, but so. I I doubt that you would use this deck in either Dredge or or use this card in either Dredge or Fish. Agreed. You kind of like your turns in those. So anyway, that yeah, I, that I, round, I was going to agree with you, Andy. Let's let's wrap up the cards there. Yeah, so that's all the cards from twelve. One final thing to say is. Uh, Props to uh, Wizards of the Coast for bringing new cards into the, what was the old core format. Um, previously, when we've had uh, core sets released, they've been really boring from an eternal point point of view, and for bringing bringing a uh, kind of shake up to the to the formats and stuff. So I like the fact that there's new cards in these sets. Yep, 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 yep. So next up on the agenda, um, George has been tinkering away with uh, Library of Alexandria in response to. to um, Challenge laid down by one of the community members um, to try and win the full time vault. George, do you want to talk through the list? What what you've got in there? How it works? How it's uh, set up to abuse the library and uh, whether it's viable and how it's been testing? All right. So I built this deck like two months ago after Endless Nameless threw out the challenge of time vaults, and I tested every now and then. Uh, there's obviously been no events to play it in, but the basic idea of the deck is. I was trying to figure out how I could actually use Library of Alexandria as a four-of and not have it affect my deck. And I thought, uh, uh, Life from the Loam, you can put three cards into your hand with Life from the Loam, trying to get up to seven to use Library. And, I mean, if you're going to dredge a lot with Life from the Loam and you actually still want to cast spells, I figured Goblin Welder was pretty good. And I threw in, you know, like Worm Coil and and uh, Mind Slaver and the Time Vault combo to try and have as much synergy as possible. And then there's there's a couple of fun interactions, like Crucible of Worlds and Fast Bond allow you to get all of your lands out of your graveyard. Um, Crucible of Lands, or Crucible of Worlds, Fast Bond, and uh, Zoran Orb, which is also in the deck, allow you to get infinite mana, infinite life, and if you throw a Library of Alexandria in there, you can draw out your entire deck, too. Um, it's it's a really fun deck. It's not enough for the current format. I'm actually, I sat down with Zach earlier in the week, and we started tinkering this to try and make it better. But it does not uh, fit the four times library theme any longer. That's, uh, for me, that's the real problem. I can't make this competitive enough. And also maintain all four copies of uh, the library. What, what do you guys think looking at it? Well, um, for me, one of the main things is the the four libraries are the coolest idea in the deck, in my opinion. Uh, I like... <coughs> everyone talks about how good... Um, you know, right when we were talking about that white bear in, in the last segment there, uh, and how good it was, and we were saying, yeah, white has the best two drops outside of, you said, Bob was the first card you thought of. And I absolutely agree, because Bob draws an extra card each turn. And Library of Alexandria does that, and it's not counterable outside of land destruction. I mean, it is, in theory, one of the most ridiculous cards ever printed. A card that's restricted in Vintage is going to be an amazing card, 99 out of 100 times. So, uh, 
I, I, I think it's worth noting that you get that Library of Alexandria out and you start turning on stuff like, you know, with a deck like this, you have the Life from the Loans. And that dredges the life from the loan, puts three cards in the graveyard, and you did it off the lands that you already play. You get fast bound, fast bond out, and you're going to be pulling some of the most crazy moves you can think of, especially having stuff like um, Zurin Orb to mitigate the life loss. And uh, I mean, the deck has some amazing combos in it. And the only problem that I see is the vulnerability to graveyard hate. It looks uh, really it's bad. terrible. It is terrible. What, what deck, it actually does all right against workshop decks, though. If if there's a really heavy workshop metagame, like if you know you're going to play three out of four matches, this might actually be a deck that you'd take into the DE. But other than that, it's still a little too weird trying to find those libraries in. Uh, does it does it does Oath kind of scare you at all? Oath is Oath is a pretty bad matchup. Yeah, I, I I can see that. I mean, Oath's a, Oath's a pretty solid deck, and it has counter magic for the actual spells that you cast. Um, the problem with the deck is that it's really slow. Even though it has all the broken combos, it's really slow, and Workshop is the only deck that's, like, as slow as this deck. Yeah. Have you tried Four Library in a really controlling kind of deck, and just using that as the card advantage rather than sort of Bob? Um, I have not, but I tend to think that having four colorless lands in a control deck would be anti-good. Yeah, but you've got four Force of Will, which doesn't require any colored mana. You've got four Mental Misstep, which doesn't require any mana. Speaking no. of which, that's the best card, I think, lately that I've been playing. Mental Misstep is so good, and it was so initially underrated in the classic... Uh, Community, I'm telling you, yeah, it sucks against stacks, and it sucks. I mean, it doesn't always suck against dredge. I mean, hitting like a Cabal Therapy is a pretty big deal sometimes. But um, against almost all other decks that are fair, Fish decks, Oath decks, uh, Storm decks, any deck that's not those two linear, you know, I rely on land decks, Mental Misstep, do you guys, do you, what have you guys seen? Has it been pretty amazing in your in your, in your your view? Absolutely, um, I've been really impressed with it. And even in the dredge matchup, it's um, like you say, it's still viable. Especially, well, it depends on the dredge matchup that you're facing, the, the, the actual build of dredge. But a lot of them are, are running things like careful study, and being able to, to hit those um, early on is, is viable. A lot of them run nature's claims as outs to your ley lines of the voids. And a lot of them run things like Firestorm from the sideboard. Um, so if you're running a kind of fish-type build, being able to stop the Firestorm for, uh, with a mental misstep is huge. Yeah, and, and just looking at this deck, uh, mental misstep is kind of scary for this one, too. You know, just looking at the main deck real quick, you got Goblin Molder, Voltaic Key, uh, Fast Bond, Imperial Seal, Mana Vault, uh, Duress, Soul Ring, Vampiric Tutor. That is a lot of the deck. See, I am so on the other side of the fence. I actually talked about this in my uh, PTV that I was recording earlier. I am just not as impressed with Mental Misstep as everyone else seems to be. Uh, (laughs) I've played against it, and I have never lost a game because they resolved Mental Misstep against me. It slowed me down, but it hasn't won them the game, where I think Spell Pierce would have. But... 
People said the same argument about Force of Will. It keeps the format in check. It doesn't win games. What the card does is, in theory, in a low casting cost uh, metagame, like Classic is for the most part, outside of those two decks, it does what Force of Will does without the carded disadvantage. Yes, but I'm saying my personal experience is that when they resolve Mental Misstep, they still lose the game. When you resolve Force of Will, you tend to win the game. Mental Misstep just isn't winning games. Like, every time I play against it, they, they resolve Mental Misstep, and I end up winning, like, three turns later. Well, George, that's a really easy out for your, 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 what you're saying right there. One-mana spells don't win the game. That's, I mean, of course it's not going to win the game if you stop a one-mana spell. But, yeah, but, but stopping you're saying a that it's... tutor, or stopping a brainstorm late game with a fetch land out, yeah, it's, it's huge. I'm, all I'm saying is that in my personal experience, them doing a late game and pick or a brainstorm, they still lose the game. I still end up winning. I am 100% win against resolved mental missteps. I, I'm, I gotta admit, dude, I think you need to play more games against it. Unless uh, maybe, you're playing linear decks, because... Maybe, maybe that's the case. I'm just saying that in, like, the ten or so times that it's been resolved against me, the, the end result is that they still lose that game. Yeah, I, yeah man, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, this just sounds like a really small sample size, because... Yeah, variance. Um, one thing that I do think about Mental Misstep is that it does give the opportunity of unrestricting Necropotence in Classic. Ah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, you're going a little far. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, why? Strongest... You, can, you can stop their dark rituals? You can stop their dark rituals, you can stop their duresses, and that was the strongest ability of the Necrodex. They were able to go turn one, duress, dark ritual, necropotence, draw. Alright, well, here's, here's, here's another scenario. They go turn one, land, lotus petal, duress, turn two, land, necropotence. Bam. Is that cool? No, it's not well, cool, but by then I would have got my Sphere of Resistance down and your bloody Necropotence will be costing you an extra mana. Oh yeah, so you're going you're gonna to play Mental Misstep in your Workshop deck? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, there's, okay, there's other options, you know? Um, no, I, I, don't think that, I don't think that Mental Misstep would keep Necropotence in check. I think that the format would keep Necropotence in check. I agree that it could probably come off. At least to try, oh. since we don't have power nine. No thanks. But it would probably end up being too good. No way. I, I don't even like, want to try. Hang on, a, wait, 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 step, step back, okay? Because I think you misunderstood what I was saying about the the um, the sphere effect, okay? If you're waiting till turn two to cast your necropotence and you're playing against shop, I'm going to land my sphere of resistance. Okay, how about a deck like this? Turn two mana crypt. Turn one Bayou Mana Crypt uh, Lotus Cobra. Turn two any land Necropotence. Absolutely, Necropotence is a bloody house, but I still think it can be unrestricted. Uh, when, I'm ne just, when, when Necropotence. I'm just, that, I'm just saying that Mental Misstep doesn't stop Necropotence. No, but it's another thorn in its side. When uh, Necropotence was restricted, they took out demonic consultations from the format as well. Well, that was the problem. You had, you, had ten, uh, you had ten or eleven necropotences in your deck. Exactly, well, and it was and it was pre-shop. Like the, the the thing that's killing me here, guys, you don't seem to remember what what was horrible about necropotence. You cannot win against a resolved necropotence more than ninety six percent of the time. 
Uh, so one microphones is a win. It's like in the bag. One, that random number you just pulled. Agreed. And two... But tell me it's not close. It's close, but two... They will never unrestrict Necropotence. Unless Eric Lauer is the sole person in charge of the ban and restricted list. It's never going to come off restriction. Uh, I, I talked to Tom LaPelle, and I talked to some other uh, ban and restricted guys when I was uh, over in Renton. They will what? never take that off of restriction, ever. Tom LaPelle's banned? Tom LaPelle has a very large influence on the BNR. Oh, wow. And uh, they, that card is not coming off restriction ever. I gotta admit, one of the cards that you know, uh, just to talk about some some baseline classic. One of the cards that you guys hyped to me so hard, and I like wanted to give it a real shot, but it's been a lot like Mana Drain, and that I haven't seen it make a impact at all on classic, whether it be tourney practice or tournaments or whatever. Is freaking uh, the 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 fat necropotence Yogmoth's bargain? Oh, bargain! God, this um, card has done nothing. That's that's not exactly true, but it's true for the most part. Well, it's placed once in a de a one three or three one or whatever. I mean, that it hadn't. I'm sure Mana Vault Mana Drain has too. Um, no, yeah, no, you're right, but like a resolved Mana Drain, you still lose the game, just like you said with uh. Necropotence, a resolved Yogmas bargain wins you the game 92.48% of the time. <laughs> but the weird thing is, it costs six freaking mana. And no, it does, but it's it's still a real card. I think it's I think it's much better than Mana Drain. You know what's crazy is I, I ran that in that Explorator build I had for a while, and like I was just thinking about this when we started talking about Necropotence. I cast Necropotence a million times. I tutor for it. I vamp for it. I'll you know, in some formats, you could, you know, play it off a, a, a Lion's Eye Diamond with a Sensei's Divining Top or something like that. But I don't think I ever cast the card in Exploderator, ever once. I was just thinking about that. I don't have a, a memory of saying, wow, I'm going to draw at the end of his turn or, or after this or after that. It yeah, never well, came it, into play. It's probably not the right deck for it. I mean, I've resolved Yawgmoth's Bargain a number of times. Well, you show and tell it, so, I mean, of course you're going to. Well, I show and tell it, and I also have, like, just a regular deck that has one Necro, one uh, Bargain. And you've played the Bargain? Yeah. I've I've resolved Bargain numerous, numerous times in um, Gush Storm lists. Dude, I've never gotten it. Ever, ever, ever. I was just thinking about it, because it's so weird, because it's like... I was like, wait, don't we kind of have unrestricted necro? Well, yeah, kind of. We have a, we have that unrestricted, right? Yeah, yeah. Remember yeah. The, the Kavat that we're not firing events, so maybe maybe Yogmoth's bargain is the house, but <laughs> nobody's playing events. True. true. So, um, a, a tentative link here. When you were talking about bargain, I was thinking about show and tell, and uh, I saw a really cool vintage list, um, which I wanted to get George's take on. Um, it was a, a show and oath list. Uh, oath of Druids, four. Show and tell, four. And then four Emrakul. <laughs> that would probably be awesome. And I just thought, that sounds good for classic. Uh, it, it might be. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll have to try and build it up. So show and oath, yeah. Bring it on. I want to hear about show and oath in the, in the podcast next week. Uh, I would call it showth. Okay, showth. Done. Cool, cool. 
Well, that's my uh, challenge. That's my challenge for the week. Challenge for the week has been laid down. Now, George, we'll see if Georgie picks up the gauntlet. All right. So yeah, uh, you know, another thing we wanted to talk about was uh, the player run event. It's going to be run by uh, Mmog slash Kretek uh, in client. He's a, he's that name on uh, Classic Quarter, and you can go there to check out about the PRE. All right, Andy. So uh, pretty good week wow. this week. Let's wrap her up. Yeah, thanks everybody for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, we welcome your comments as ever. Um, finally, just thank uh, puremtgo.com for hosting us and mtgotraders.com for sponsoring us. And uh, we'll see you in seven with um, Open Show. See you later, guys.